I really wish so much that somebody would have made me ask for help. I think the most powerful thing that we can do in life is ask for help. Everybody wins when you ask for help. You're listening to Hawk Talk, a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world. Today, you know our guests as famous athletes, authors, and entrepreneurs, but there's so much more to this story. Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huberman. All right, you're listening to Hawk Talk. I'm here today with David Meltzer. How are you? I'm doing phenomenal. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thanks for coming. So I just imagine like you're born, you come out in the delivery room and immediately you're just a breadth of knowledge and a business mogul and you're ready to go, right? From just from the start? (laughs) No, but I was happy. I think I came out smiling, not crying. So I think I was born with a happy gene, which really has helped me through the good times, the bad times, the hard times, the mistakes, failures, and setbacks. Well, that... That's perfect. I, I, yeah, there's a lot to be said about optimism driving a lot of success through life. So t- take me back. Where, where are you from originally? So I was born in Akron, Ohio. Uh, my mm-hmm. dad left when I was five. Uh, so we had a single mom who worked two jobs as a second grade teacher, packed my dinner in a paper bag most nights to go fill up turnstiles at convenience stores with green greeting cards just so we had enough to eat. Uh, wow. Education was extremely important, obviously, with my mom being an educator. Uh, so it was, you know, doctor, lawyer, failure. That's all I heard as a kid. Or the fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school. So when I would tell her I wanted to be a professional football player, she would tell me, do whatever you want after law school or med school. I don't care. Uh, but you need- <laughs> and so the funny thing is, growing up in Akron, Ohio, uh, I had very little, but was super happy kid super happy. My siblings were extraordinary. They did all end up at the Ivy Leagues, summa cum laude, scholarships, just extraordinary academics. Uh, But the only time I wasn't happy was when we had these financial stresses, which many poor families do, many single mom families do. So I had it in my heart from the time I was five that I was going to be rich. And I wasn't necessarily going to be a lawyer or a doctor. I would go to graduate school. I made that promise to my mom, but I was going to live up to her word and I'd do whatever I want after graduate school. But I was going to buy her a house and a car so I knew it wouldn't matter what I did. I was determined to you know, relieve my mom of the only sadness in her life, which was financial disparity and, and financial uh, stress and financial pain. There's something to be said, the pursuit of happiness. Those guys 250 years ago knew what they were talking about, right? Absolutely. It's so funny you say that because Chris Gardner uh, is a close friend of mine who wrote the book Pursuit of Happiness, did the movie with Will Smith. And I always joke around with him because I actually shifted that paradigm at a young age. My mom told me, don't pursue happiness. Happiness is the pursuit. And so she taught me to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of my own potential to be a doctor or a lawyer, of course. Uh, But more importantly, I had this different idea than most kids that the enjoyment was in the pursuit. It wasn't attaching my emotions to an outcome and pursuing that outcome. And so which, which did you pick? Did you become a lawyer or a doctor? Well, initially I wanted to be a doctor and it's a great lesson for everyone. So my brother was a doctor. I, I'm playing football in college, which to me still the closest I've come to my potential. I just didn't have very high potential. Anyway, where, 
Where would you buy? Where'd you go to school? Occidental College, where Obama, nice. Jim Moore, Jack Kemp, small school. I always yeah. joke around. Only school that would let me play football is where I went. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, my very first play, I got ran over uh, by a guy named Christian Okoye, who his nickname in the NFL was the Nigerian Nightmare. And I still have <laughs> nightmares about him. But he li he literally stepped on me. And I remember thinking, doctor, lawyer, failure when I was lying on my back as a freshman. So I go visit my brother, who's a doctor, and I get to the hospital and I'm looking around. He goes, what's the matter, Dave? I said, you know, I hate hospitals. And he, he looked at me, he goes, Dave, you're pre-med. What do you mean you hate hospitals? And I was 18 years old. And, and everyone laughs at me when I say that. But it, if you put yourself into your mindset at 18, right, I don't know what a doctor does. And so I told him, I'm going to be a sports doctor. I'm not going to be in hospitals. I'll be on sidelines and locker rooms. I'm not going to be in a hospital. And he looked at me like, you idiot. I'm like, what? He goes, David, you need to be more interested than interesting. And to this day, it's a brand that I'm trying to build. I'm truly trying to build. Everyone's heard of the world's most interesting man in his yeah. tuxedo and the Dos Equis guy. I, I want to brand myself the world's most interested man. I've been being more interested than interesting since I was 18. And I want to say, you know, have taglines like, you know, be more interested, my friend. You know, yeah. one time one time Dave Meltzer asked a hundred open-ended questions just to find out how he could help somebody. Be more interested, my friends. Well, I became more interested. I switched from being a doctor when I was 18 into being a lawyer. And uh, this time I was smart. I learned all about what law schools, what professions, which ones made the most money. So I ended up uh, studying at Tulane University in New Orleans to be an oil and gas litigator because they made the, they made the most money. So that's why I wanted to be that. So I have to ask because of some recent stories I heard. What year did you graduate law school? I graduated in 1993. Okay. So, so. no. I got, I got my job in 92 uh, with an internet company uh, wow. selling legal research online. Uh, and my mom made me take the bar, made me graduate uh, from law school. Uh, but nine months out of law school, I was making uh, over a million dollars and bought my mom a house and a car. But one more funny story. My mom, this is another great lesson. I'm going to have to go back to that, by the way. But yeah, yeah. That's, that's so my mom, you'll love this. I graduate law school and I have two job offers, right? To be working the internet or to be an oil and gas litigator. I had both of these offers in 92. So I go to my mom, what should I do? Without blinking, my mom said, you gotta be a litigator, Dave, You know, because the internet is a fad. You're yeah. gonna waste your education. The internet's never gonna last. And I laugh now when people talk about crypto or NFTs or whatever. Yeah. It sounds just like my mom telling me it's a fad. Because yeah. she doesn't understand, you know, that, yeah, some of the companies are going to fail, but the yeah. Internet's not going anywhere. Neither is crypto, neither is NFTs, because they have a great functionality. So just because someone loves you, kids out there, just because they love you doesn't mean they give you good advice. Make sure they know what they're talking. My mom doesn't know anything about business. I was offered to run BizDev for Live Nation, Ecom for Warner Music, Orgo, join this little incubator called Science that had just launched this small ecom company called Dollar Shave Club and, I, and wanted me to come advise on marketing. And of course, same thing. My parents were like, well, you're taking the one of the two conglomerates, right? I was like, no, I don't want to convert to Burbank from Santa Monica. Literally <laughs> part of my 25-year-old decision making. But 
sincerely that that was part of it. And then yes, same, same kind of story. I went with the startup, the new mentality and e-com and here we are. So yeah, 95, we, we sold for $3.4 billion in 1995. Wow. So internet was definitely not a fad for me. No, not at all. And so you were saying you, you made a million dollars a year. Was that because of the sale or were they actually? No, paid? no, I, they, I, I was a salesperson. So oh, my yeah. comp plan was at 250,000. I was the number one sales guy outsold everybody three to one. And wow. my first year made over a million dollars, uh, and, uh, saved almost every penny on an expense account and bought my mom a house and a car, paid off my law loans had enough uh, then to build my own house and continue to make a lot of money through the, the exit. Then I made even more money at the exit in 95. So I had three years of wow. selling the exit, then worked a couple of years for Thomson Reuters who purchased us. And then I went up to the Silicon Valley for the internet boom, ended up being CEO of uh, Samsung's phone division uh, up in the Silicon Valley. And uh, at 30 years old, man, I was say, like, Let's, let's take a, a step back here. So where were you living for the legal company? Where was that? Oh, so for West, I was living in Florida. I took the Florida okay. bar. They gave me the entire Southeast. Uh, when I first started, it was such a rarity that you would ring a bell if you made a sale. And then it got crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so like any internet company. Yeah. And then by 95, I was living back in California and got married when in 97, uh, moved to San Diego in 99 became CEO of Samsung's phone division. I worked in the middleware space in between uh, Thompson Reuters. I worked for every path and learned Sand Hill Road. I raised money from Texas Pacific and Mirando, uh, Sequoia. We raised 169 million for a middleware company. So I worked yeah. in Web 1.0, Web 2.0 uh, with Samsung and every path. And now, you know, it's helped me a lot understand Web 3.0. So where did the knack for sales come in? You, you, you know, you grew up with a an emphasis on education and you liked sports, but being able to be the top seller at a tech company and make a million dollars, how old were you? It sounds like 25. Yeah. yeah. When I got my you know, first million, I was 25, started making money yeah. at 24. So I, I, I'm what they call an eagle, right? I'm a natural salesperson. And I teach this a lot now because I was very good because I was an overseller, a backend seller, a liar, manipulator, and cheater, especially of my comp plan, always trying to maximize that. Yeah. Uh, I was definitely not the go-giver that I am today, understanding quantitative value, being an expert at articulating quantitative value, an expert at knowing that if you serve well and you serve many, you'll be compensated at the highest level at, at all industries. But that paradigm shift in my life, uh, as you may or may not uh, know, happened later in my 30s uh, when I was running uh, the most notable sports agency in the world, Lee Steinberg Sports and, and, sports yeah. and Entertainment. So, so you become CEO of Samsung's uh, phone cell division. phone division. And yeah. How, yeah, how long were you there? Three years. Uh, so uh, I was with the the PC EFO was the world's first convergence device. That was you know my mainstay in ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand and one. We won Best of Comdex, which was a big show, and CTIA uh, traveling the world, speaking, uh, getting that career on convergence, which is the convergence of you know different content utilizing different applications on different mediums, uh, which is still applicable yep. today, which is why I mentioned that. Um, but then uh, we got too big. Samsung started doing the flip phones and we became the second largest yeah. manufacturers of phones. I was an 
great salesperson to raise money and, and start, you know, building a, a image of a smartphone, even though they didn't call it that. They called them convert. We had a, the world's first Windows CE device. Samsung manufactured wow. a, a Microsoft CE device, a Windows CE device. So yeah. when that kind of uh, moved away from me, I had an offer to be a vice president of sales of the phone division and step down or leave. Uh, I took the money and yeah. left. I met Lee Stein. Yeah. I was going to take a new job at TELUS, uh, which was in Finland, in the data division, be the president of their data division. Uh, but instead, I met Lee Steinberg helping a friend with the reality show. And 48 hours after I met him, he hired me initially as the chief operating officer of Lee Steinberg, but then made me six months later the CEO of the most notable sports agency in the world. Hey, I wanted to take a break to tell you about my brand new book called The Hawk Method, the three principles of marketing that made over 3,000 brands soar. If you like the podcast, you'll love the book. You can get it on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. All right, back to our show. Right. And so, I mean, just was that because you played football and then new tech? Like what was it? What did he see in you? How did that happen? I wish more people would ask me that question, Eric, because, you know, so many people want that job, but nobody asked me, well, why would he hire you? So yeah. it was a combination of things. Number one, I had the necessary skills and knowledge because I went to law school. I was always on the other side of sports. I hired a bunch of guys to do endorsements, speaking, branding when I was at the big companies. So I was well familiar with what Lee did as a customer, not as a representative. Uh, right. But what made the difference was two things. One, I had a technology background and Lee was a visionary. So I had the skills and knowledge, but I also had this technology background that he was looking for. He wanted someone that understood where technology was going to take sports so he could be ahead of the curve. And in fact, he made $20 million on an exit for one of the first blogs that he did with Steve Young and then created an equity fund with Ronnie Lott, Steve Young, and other guys up there. So my, my knowledge and relationships were extremely valuable in the sports world. I also had executive experience, like I said, but I also believe this that my brother, my younger brother went to Harvard, graduated summa cum laude, maybe on the edge of the spectrum, maybe not, but Lee definitely <laughs> is, you know, Lee definitely is. But I had lived with, my brother's 14 months younger than I. So wow. I learned to communicate to my brother very effectively. We were very close. I'm probably his biggest fan in the world. Nobody is more proud or loves his brother more than I do, especially that one. He, he worked yeah. amazing PhD in social ethics. He, he's extraordinary, right? And he's a good dude. And anyway, so I knew how to communicate to Lee and make him feel at ease. Whatever frequency or vibration he exists at is the same one as my brother that went to Harvard. You know, Lee graduated top of his class from Berkeley undergrad, Berkeley Law School. You know, this hyper academic energy and the way they see things. I just naturally spoke to him like I spoke to my brother. And I truly believe that the combination of my technology background with the ability to communicate effectively with Lee is why I stood out and why he felt an urgent need to hire me before I started that job at TELUS. Got it. And how'd that go? How long were you there for? So I would still be there if it wasn't for Lee. Uh, and he has gone public with this. You know, Lee's an alcoholic and uh, it became very difficult. The good news was I met a guy named Warren Moon. And so from 2006 to 2010, I was with Lee. By the time 2010 came, Warren and I, Warren 
had been with Lee since he was 18, literally. They went to their different ages, but went to the same high schools, how they knew each other. And Lee helped him through Canada for six years, the, all the way through the Hall of Fame and made him a partner with me and Lee in the firm. So he was a full partner. And so Warren was the one that said, hey, Dave, we got to go. Every time we make more money, it sends him into a spiral. And, you know, thank goodness, you know, here we are 12 years later, he's sober uh, for, you know, over 10 years. But yeah. Warren and I started our own company from that company, uh, which only dealt with the kind of projects that we liked. Uh, we, we, we created a marketing company that brought all the big names that we had to the biggest events in sports, Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Masters, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, but for charity. And we created a margin for ourselves in there as well. But everything yep. we did was for a charitable purpose or cause. But we would create a margin by bringing great celebrities and athletes for a lot less money and keeping the margin on that side. We'd bring sponsorship and make a commission on that side. And then the majority of the money would go to a charity or a cause. So basically, our business model was make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. You know... People get so caught up on core values, and whenever I hear a statement like that, and there there was one recently when I was diving into a business my uh, dad had built, and they they said similar core values. Or it's like part of it, it's like got to make money and have fun, and then there's usually a third one, and right. it's like that's it's it is so critical for to build something that you feel passionate about that you enjoy doing. And you talked about you know being happy, and I actually like that instead of pursuit of happiness. Like it's another cliche with it's the journey, not the destination, but it's so true. Like you have to enjoy it along the way. Yeah, and that perspective is what I teach today. I've been blessed, you know, from working with Warren Moon on Sports One Marketing, having a global sports marketing company that was well-renowned uh, to start writing books and speaking. And then eventually my brand grew so much and started working with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk to help him and AJ build their sports agency. He encouraged so I, I was an initial consultant with those guys with AJ when he built the firm. Yeah. And then I, everyone wanted, I didn't know who Gary V was. I knew AJ because yeah. <laughs> I'm a sports guy. Yeah, and, and so then all my guys were like, David, you got to meet Gary. So I yeah. sat down with Gary to give him some advice on the sports side and in, including buying the jets, by the way, I had a, an, yeah. opinion, an opinion for him. Uh, sure. But he's, you know, I gave him my book and he said, no, he goes, I, I've seen you speak. He goes, you're very good. You should do uh, videos. Uh, I had a radio show at the time for Angels Radio. You know, I, I did some stuff, the Sports Blender. And uh, he's like, you should go on Instagram. I was like, dude, what are you talking about? I'm almost 50 years old. I, I go, come on. He goes, David, I'm serious. You'd be amazing at this. And so we traded five minutes a week for at least two years, my first two years, Gary gave me five minutes a week. I gave him five minutes a week. So we were mutual. I call this mutual mentors, but literally he got the best of me though. Cause for the first year I, I would give him my Instagram and I'm like, what should I do? What should I do? And he would look at it. He goes, good, good. Uh, post more. And then like the next week, post more. And then the next week, post more. For a whole year. I'm like, dude, yeah. people are going to hate me. They're already laughing at me, scoffing at me, making fun of me. They're Now they're going to hate me because I'm annoying. He goes, Dave, trust me. Just keep posting. And here I am five years later. We met at the Super Bowl five years ago. And yeah. we, we were at the Snoop's uh, launch of Death Row together at Super Bowl oh, together. Yeah, nice. And uh, which was my favorite party of all time, by the way. I've been to almost 20-some Super Bowls. 
unbelievable event. But Gary was laughing. He goes, hey, I hate to tell you, but I told you so. I'm really proud of you. And uh, I built a brand uh, on my own. And now I have an entire Apple TV deal, my entire own brand, my own entertainment company uh, that was just hitting stride. Luckily, I just re resigned as CEO and stay stayed on as co-founder of Sports One Marketing. Three months later, after I resigned, COVID hits and it kills the company because there's no events. Yeah, I lucked out. Timing. <laughs> it's. It, I've seen a few things like that. That's just insane. And yeah, Gary actually was on this podcast and was a friend, yeah. friend for a long time too. Um, and I got to be honest, he's done the same thing with me. And I've had times I didn't listen. He told me to buy a CryptoPunk when they're like thirty grand a pop. I'm like, I'm not buying a. $30,000 JPEG. What are you nuts? And yeah, he told me to do TikTok so long ago yeah. and I fought him on it. I'm like, look, I get Instagram, I get LinkedIn, but I'm not a no. dancing bear. And I started TikTok like literally a month ago or whatever, like re really started yeah. doing a lot. And I'm at like 200,000 people. And I'm and, like, God, yeah. I should have listened to him. Shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, he's a, he's a break. And listen, he misses too, but that's okay. Yeah. Because he also. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you know what I love about Gary from the start is he's really good at saying what he doesn't know. Like a lot of guys that know a lot about something like he does, like if you ask him something he doesn't know anything about, he's literally going to tell you, no idea, bro. Yep. Like, don't ask yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> really needs to happen. I think everybody tries to be an expert in everything. No, that's awesome. And so you, you moved on two years ago and now you're, you're focused on really your brand, what you're building, you know, uh, Tell me more about where you're at now and kind of what's yeah. coming. So I have a lot of different things that I have, but only one purpose. So I have books, you know, I've written four books, including one with Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup for the Soul. I have a huge coaching and consulting business. I speak around the world. I have one of the top podcasts uh, that you and I'm sure you'll be on there, The Playbook, uh, over a thousand episodes. I have TV shows. I executive produce Elevator Pitch for Entrepreneur Magazine. Nice. We're in season seven. I was the host for the first. Bill well. <laughs> yeah, I was the first. Yeah, Bill Shaw. So I was, yeah. I was a co-creator and host for five years, executive producer still. Then I created my own shows, uh, which are on Bloomberg TV. Mm -hmm. So I have Two Minute Drill, which is the first only pitch show, $50,000 uh, cash and prizes every episode to just pitch. No, no funding, just pitch competition. And then I have uh, the first late night uh, uh, entrepreneur late night show, which is on Apple TV, which created a new Apple TV deal for me to create entrepreneurial content. They have asked Martha Stewart, Myself, so she, we have our own Apple TV deals where we yep. create this content. So I have office hours on there and I'm looking for more content as well. But I, all, all that I do, all, all, I do free trainings every Friday for 22 years, variety of different topics, but all of them are to one purpose. I'm on a mission. I know it scared my wife when I told her this. I believe that I can empower over a billion people in my lifetime with this content, paid, free, help whatever I do to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. In other words, to be happy. My goal is to create a collective consciousness of happiness to change the world. And the way I'm doing it, by the way, I know you're a great interviewer. I'm looking for a thousand people like you, right? A thousand people like you that will impact in your lifetime, a thousand people to impact another thousand people by carrying this message of core values and daily practices that enable us to create abundance, to be happy and to help people. And every day, seven days a week, I'm creating 
all types of content in every medium I can find, including TikTok now. Thank you, Gary Vaynerchuk, to help people. And have you been able to measure this? I got to ask, like you, you, a billion's a number. Do you have like a running tally of like, I'm at a, you know, 1.7 million or? I'm only be able to calculate the first thousand. And so okay. I'm way ahead of schedule. You know, mm-hmm. I, I am estimating I'm over 500 uh, people like you in my life that I know and feel confident that you'll empower to empower. Um, yep. But I don't have a mechanism yet to figure out. I, I look at the audience that you have or look at the audience that Gary has or look at the audience that, uh, you know, Blaine Bartlett has or, or others, Brian Bogert or Craig Siegel, guys that I coach. And I, I see their audiences. So, you know, I can kind of get a gauge on where I'm at. But I really saw Guru is one of my mentors uh, and his yeah, mission yeah. is to empower the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> his, his goal is to empower the entire world. So I figure I'll help him out and give him at least a billion. Yeah, I was going to say, you can get one eighth of that and you're good. So He's counting on me. He's, he's said it many different times, uh, but what a great guy he is. No, I agree. He's awesome. And so last question, I always ask this, but I feel like it fits you more than anyone I've had on the podcast. If there was one thing you either wish you were told or you were told to really pursue your dreams, be happy, whatever it is, what is that one thing that you'd tell someone else that's like, I have these dreams, I want to pursue it at any stage in life. What is that thing that you would say in terms of being happy? This may sound simple, um, but I really wish so much that somebody would have made me ask for help. Uh, I think the most powerful thing that we can do in life is ask for help. Everybody wins when you ask for help. And it's a true form of radical humility, not guilt or arrogance of asking for help or the worth. And you ask for help every day. I promise you, you find the right people to ask for help with, the people that sit in a situation you want to be in. You will get so far in life. People ask me, how do you lose $100 million, right? I lost over $100 million and made it back because I started to ask for help. And I lived out of that arrogant ignorance that instead now is ignorant humility. I will tell everyone, I don't know what I don't know, but I do my best. I learn lessons and I have fun. And I ask for help every day, every way. And that's what I want everyone else to do. Also, remember, there's only one common denominator of happiness, and that's gratitude. No matter how sick or well, tall or short, rich or poor, if you're grateful, that's the common denominator of happiness. So say thank you and ask for help. Yep. That's great advice. I actually had this conversation yesterday with a friend that was like, why are you so comfortable? I'm to the point launching a book next week. Everyone like, Hey, we got to promote the book. Yeah, exactly. I'll get it to you. But uh, I've been asking everyone I know. And they're like, well, why are you comfortable just asking everyone for help? I'm like, because the ones that care about me are either going to help me or not. It's okay. And the ones that I actually annoy, were never going to help me in the first place. Like they're not, they already don't like me. So it's like, these people that get uncomfortable asking, it's like, I'm not going to judge someone that doesn't help the book. I have family members that haven't bought my book yet, which I'll give them shit. But <laughs> but uh, in general, it's like, it's okay if the answer is no. And if I actually end up annoying someone, well, they're already annoyed with me about something else. They're not going to be annoyed trying to help me if they actually appreciate me in any way. What's the name of the book? The Hawk Method. The Hawk Method. Everybody go out there and buy The Hawk Method. I'm going to go get it right after I get off here. They have an audio book for me. Not yet. Uh, we're, we got to do the New York Times thing. I'll, I'll buy one so I put put it up in back of me so people can see it. I'll wait for the audiobook. I appreciate you. <laughs> well, Dave, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Hawk Talk. You, I loved it, man. Come on my shows as well. Thank you for everything yeah. you do. I'm counting on you to be one of my 1,000. <laughs> I will absolutely be there. 
You've been listening to Hawk Talk. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think this podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.